This episode was sponsored by Quests for Authenticity, the first and only coaching program that uses D&D to help people become just as confident in real life as their characters are at the table. Welcome to the Compendium, a resource designed to help you spend less time learning D&D and more time actually playing. Let's start talking about as people level up with the base paladin, um, Mm -hmm. omitting at this point the oath that you choose at level three, your subclass that you get into, um, everything that every paladin is going to get no matter what. Yeah, exactly. So at first level, they get divine sense and lay on hands. And so divine sense is interesting, but I don't see a lot of people using it, uh, especially after a few levels in this class, but it's kind of fun early on where basically you can just like put out your senses and detect things within 60 feet of you uh, that aren't completely blocked by stuff and to know if there's any celestials, fiends or undead around you. And you'll know the type, um, but not um, anything specific. Uh, They point out here specifically that uh, Strahd von Zedervich if you detect a undead, you might know it's a vampire, but you wouldn't know it's Strahd. Um, so just kind of vague ideas. It's like a uh, like a heads up display in like uh, first person shooter games like Halo, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, there's an enemy right there. Um, and you can also in the same radius detect any place that's been desecrated or consecrated, like with the hallow spell, to know if like, oh, we're standing on unholy ground here and out in that graveyard, there's some undead. So we need to be careful, which is kind of fun. And you could use that uh, a number of times per day equal to one plus your charisma modifier. So that's good. And then lay on hands is another really cool one, which comes in, which can be really, really useful because Lay on Hands basically gives you this pool of healing power on the side that recharges every day. And basically you can um, uh, use it to heal HP and the amount you have is uh, basically hit points equals uh, your Paladin level times five. So you every time you level up as a Paladin, you get five more of these. And so you can use it as an action to touch, you know, your your own wounds or the wounds of an ally and choose how many of those hit points you want to just transfer back over to that person um, up to the max in your pool. And of course, the max of their hit point max. Um, The really fun thing is that you can spend five of those instead of healing. You can actually cure disease or neutralize a poison, uh, which in, you know, are handy. Yeah, and with COVID, that would have been nice. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but basically, um, it gets really tactical, too, because anytime you have, like, an assassin or, like, grung or anything that does poison damage, you could just, the as an action, the, the paladin can just, like, t- boop them on the snoot, and it neutralizes the poison that's affecting your ally. So that's kind of fun. Um, and it can cure multiple diseases or multiple uh, poisons with a single use um a lay on hands you would just spend that chunk of five points for each thing you're curing but you only have to use one action to do it right so it would it would get rid of that condition essentially it's not going to give you those five hit points if you've lost hit points but it's going to remove that condition from you correct yes so yeah so that's kind of fun so that's everything at first level and those also too like i said before there's no cantrips yet there's no spell casting yet that doesn't come until second level. 
which uh, we can talk about now. Um, so uh, <laughs> my own segue. Okay, um, so uh, at second level, you get a fighting style, uh, like the ranger, like the fighter, um, where there's a smaller list here, though. Um, so there's defense, where you get an extra AC while you're wearing armor. Dueling, which means that you can do extra uh, plus two damage when you're uh, attacking with a uh, melee weapon, as long as you're not holding another weapon. Does the shield, shield doesn't count. Shield, ah. <laughs> shield is good. No, a shield does not count as another weapon. So this is for if you've got like one like giant weapon and a shield, you can use dueling no problem. And then uh, you have great weapon fighting, which means whenever uh, you a attack with a two-handed weapon or a weapon you're wielding with two weapon weapons, so that uh, two hands, so uh, a versatile weapon like a long sword or like a great axe or a great sword or something. Uh, whenever you roll a one or a two on the damage die, you can re-roll it, but you have to use the new roll. So it helps you kind of always boost those things up a little bit. And it has to be two-handed or versatile, like we said. Uh, and then the last one is protection. Um, when you, uh, when a creature you can see attacks a target other than you, that's within five feet of you, you can use a reaction to impose disadvantage on the attack roll as long as you're wielding a shield. So again, it gets into that whole ethos of protecting the innocent or those who are allied with you. You can just see someone about to get ganked and you can just like bump them with a the shield and it gets disadvantage to that attack. So do they have to call that in advance? So let's say that the DM is about to roll for a monster and they say, hey, they're going to attack this person. Do they have to say, I'm going to do X right. or can the DM roll, call out the roll and then have them be like, oh no, roll that again at disadvantage. So it doesn't say specifically. There's a lot of things that say um, after, there's some things that will say like um, bef before you know the total or after you know the total, before, before you, you know, know if it's, it, yeah. it hits, or fails, right? Here it doesn't say that. So I could see very easily this could intend to be that once an attack is declared, you could say, I'm going to use my reaction and impose this advantage. Or probably more commonly that once you hear what the number is, you could in then impose this advantage. Um, but I think right, because you're, you're sacrificing your reaction for this. And so you don't mm -hmm. want to just like do it if the role was already going to suck. <laughs> right. And since that concept of once you know the role before, if you know it attacks or hits, uh, it hits or misses, is such a common thing in other places, I could see very easily people just applying that rule here, even though it doesn't specifically call it out. Yeah, that but makes the, a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and the trigger is attacks a target other than you, not hits a target other than you, but attacks. So I can see it both ways. Mm -hmm. um, and then spell casting, uh, congratulations, you get spell slots. Uh, at first level, you get two first level spot. Uh, second level, you get two first level spell slots. Um, and uh, basically, uh, you have a lot of things that are similar to the cleric, um, is that you can prepare any spell that's on the paladin spell list every day. Um, and you can choose a number of spells uh, equal to your charisma modifier plus half your level. So if your charisma modifier is a three and you're at level two, you can pick four spells. Um, and so every day you can just pick from that menu of what you want to have prepared for the day, just like the cleric does. So that's kind mm -hmm. of nice. Um, it makes it really versatile in that way. Although a lot of people will oftentimes kind of pick their favorites and just stick with that. Right. Um, but and you're going to see this happens at like a long rest. I mean, just based yeah. off of the concept of once a day, which can be helpful too, because if you were, you know, walking through a forest to get somewhere and then you take a rest outside the, f the entrance of a cave that you need to go into tomorrow, 
you might need to equip yourself with something a little bit different so you can have a little bit of foresight as to what yes. you do or why, which is kind of nice. Right. Um, uh, which is really nice because a lot of the spells are, like you said, martially inclined. Um, but even if you were to kit out your spells for support or perhaps even stealth or information gathering, there is still a way that you could uh, still do devastating damage because at second level, you also get divine smite. So what this is, is that when you hit a creature, you can... Um, expend a spell slot to deal extra radiant damage to it in addition to what you already already do so for for a first level spell slot you're going to add 2d8 damage and then if you spend a a spell slot higher so like a second level you're going to add 1d8 for it to a max of 5d8 so even if you didn't prepare something like branding smite or whatever as a spell you can always just when you know you've hit, choose to also channel just a raw spell slot into raw damage without tip, without casting a spell. You're just converting one resource into another. Right. Um, and that... that. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I was wondering if that if you chose the great weapon fighting style, if mm. that damage die also counts with that if you roll a one or a two. Um. Yeah, I think so because it says when you roll a one or two on damage die for an attack, you and make that with a melee weapon. Counts as a damage die at that point, then because you're and doing extra was, damage. Yeah, and it was with a melee weapon that you're wielding, so the, the attack was. So yeah, it absolutely would. Um, so yeah, and what's cool too is that if you on a when we get to the spells, there's things like as a bonus action you can cast you know branding smite and it's concentration, so you cast it and hold on to it. And then the next time you hit an enemy with an attack, uh, a melee attack, uh, you can choose to then like set it off, which is gonna do like extra damage or some other kind of like condition effect, like, you know, uh, being blinded or, you know, whatever. Um, you could also spend a divine smite spell slot and do even more damage on top of it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were a second level paladin and you picked like let's say a great axe that is like 2d6 damage and you had a smite spell held as concentration that's going to do another 2d8 and then you chose to use your your divine smite also to spend that last spell slot for more 2d8 so now you're doing 2d6 plus 48 damage on a hit plus your strength modifier at second level so you see why there are strikers and why things don't tend, tend not to last very long around them because even early, early on, they can just leave it all on the field as it were and just decimate a target. Well, you brought up another really interesting point I hadn't even considered, which is concentration for spells because mm -hmm. attacking does not end your concentration. No. Only casting another spell does. And usually for casters, right, they, they can't, they're kind of stuck in a holding pattern when they cast this spell that requires concentration because their thing is casting. Right. They can't cast again while they're concentrating. But in theory, if I'm if I'm thinking about this right, a paladin could cast something with concentration and keep fighting every round of battle yes. while holding concentration. Obviously, there's some stipulations for if they get hit or some other things. Right. And but a lot of their concentration they can spells. Keep going. Yeah, a lot of the concentration spells are bonus actions, which are meant to be spent right after that with the next action which is their attack um and 
theoretically too, they could hold on to it and cast just like other casters, cast other non-concentration spells while still maintaining concentration. Um, and as long as they don't take a massive amount of damage, which could cause a, a concentration roll, or they're not incapacitated, that concentration won't break. So uh, these guys really are, uh, they're, they're a favorite of a lot of players because they do one thing and they do it really, really right. well. So, yeah. Yeah, and that, is that it? I mean, that's a lot, but is that it? Yeah. yeah at level two, you got to yes, do your fighting style and your define smite, as well as like the access to the spell casting. Right. And then third level um, is your oath, but you also get divine health. Right. So because you're so cool and fused with divine magic, you're immune to disease. At third level. That At third level. I mean, there's some races that get similar kind of types of, of bumps, but still third level, that's a really good It is benefit. for a living, breathing organism. Typically, that's pretty good. Monks get it, but I think a little bit later, like wholeness of body, I think it's called. Um, but yeah, they, they really do, which is why they go into disease infested necrotic layers and kill all the undead because ah, they're fine. It's fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us this week on The Compendium, where we are talking about all things D&D, helping you spend less time learning and more time actually playing. This episode was sponsored by Quests for Authenticity, the first and only confidence coaching program that uses D&D to help people become just as confident in real life as their D&D characters are at the game table. If you're intrigued, click the link in our show notes to take a free online quiz that will stat you as a level one D&D character in real life. New episodes of the Compendium do come out twice a week, so make sure you subscribe so you're the first to be notified every time new content is published. The Compendium also has a Patreon, so if you like what we do, please consider contributing to our Patreon account for as little as $2 a month, and in doing so, get yourself early access to all of the episodes. Thanks so much for listening in, and we will see you guys next time.